the No Girl Follow podcast where we talk about church and today's culture. With your hosts, Adam and Pastor Jay. During a, a previous podcast, you said something about um, the iPhone generation. So millennials, digital media folks are able to solve any problem immediately. Yes. But it in turn created these large systemic problems. Yes. Um, and, and so I kept thinking about, okay, I, I know when, let's say I don't know the capital of Indonesia. I now can go to my Google. I can type it in. It tells me I have succeeded in solving that task. Yes. And yet... If I'm trying to eat healthfully or whatever, um, learn about something, I have no defined end point. How, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yes. How do you, def- how do you decide that? And you're, you're saying that it's hard. It's extremely hard. Yeah. Because I was raised to bench. Ah. So you will see so many people that are mage that binge on things, whether it being food, whether it being um, movies yeah. or anime or anything. That's a, that's another thing that uh, people do my age is uh, the anime craze. Sure, it's uh, I, I know quite a few people that are into that, and it's it's amazing how far it's come and. Some people go into school, and that's yeah. like super healthy. Or some people go into and binge on working out, and that's sure. super healthy. But most people will take the easiest path. Okay. And the easiest path will lead you into a bad place mentally. Often, yes. And that is where a lot of people, like me, yeah. turn to binge eating. And I, I'm overweight. I'm uh, a... Like 300 pound ish male that's in his 20s. I'm uh, not healthy at all. But <laughs> uh, I, I realized I had problems. Yeah, okay. Um, and I'm trying to fix them. Don't judge me, but the way I started learning to fix it was I started playing Pokemon Go. All right. Like two years after the game came out. Okay. Because you would walk? I would walk. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I think it's great. Yeah. But now, at like a month later, I don't really play Pokemon Go that much, but I still walk because sure. I developed that. It turned it into a habit. It turned into a habit. Yeah. And that's another thing. We develop habits yeah. rapidly. Yeah. Two thoughts come to mind. Okay. A lot of those binges could be pretty unhealthy. Yes. Drug, so Drugs, alcohol, pornography, gambling. I mean, I think of all of the, all of the things that there are anonymous meetings for. Yes. Could ease, I mean, that's... Binging is part of the problem. You will see a large increase in the next few years of people that come out and say, I had a pornography problem. Yeah. I had a alcohol problem. Yeah. I had a drug problem. Okay. And that's because it was so easy to get into. So, okay, so here's my story. I'll, okay. I'll jump in. Um, on The other night I was at home, and I did. The, everybody else in my house was busy doing something else. Okay. So I turned on Netflix, which is something I don't often do. Um, uh, but I found a new show called Cobra Kai, which is a 
a modern day connection to the old Karate Kid movies. And uh, anyway, so this is those same characters today. Two seasons on Netflix, right? I watched them yesterday. Right. All of it. Like, binged, watched from the time it's... I, I, I stayed up too late, and I turned it off, and I came, and I did work stuff and took care of the things I needed to do for the day. And as soon as my work day was done, I went back home, I turned on Netflix, and I binged to the end of the second season last night. And so in 24 hours, I binged the whole thing. But I don't hardly ever do that. And that's new. I mean, it, it, you, you used to not be able to do that. I remember... Welcome to society. I know. I remember, like, re- like there was a show, and you, and like the season finale was coming up, and you had to get your butt to your house, right? I grew up pre VCR. Pre VCR. Yeah, pre VCR. I was at the tail end of VCR. Yeah. So I, you couldn't even record. You couldn't even tape a show. You had to be in your home, in a home, in front of a television, to watch that show on whatever night that show was on. Because I used to know, like, what happens at it's at seven o'clock on Friday, or I need to be home by three o'clock so that I can watch He-Man, or I need to be home by, you know, uh, on Tuesday nights it's it's American Idol or whatever the thing people are watching, and now that is completely foreign, because you can, at a push of a couple buttons, you can decide that for the next week you're only going to watch Gilligan's Island, and that I, that blows me away. Okay, two questions. Yeah. One I have to ask, the other one is optional. Okay. Okay, so I felt really old yesterday. Okay. I saw a meme and it said, do you feel old yet? And it had a picture of the lobsters in Walmart. You remember those? I remember the lobsters in Walmart. I remember those when I was a kid. Yeah. But I was like, oh, I feel so old. Now you can't get the lobsters in Walmart anymore. And also, when did He-Man stop coming on television? Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> let's see. I can I can figure this out pretty close. So I pick up your phone and Google it. How about that? Two oh, seconds. No, I don't want to do that. I would rather reminisce. See, I'm about the relationship here. When you want to feel old? Let me tell you. Today, my daughter is moving into college. Oh. Right. This is college moving day for my daughter, and that makes me feel incredibly wise no old is what it makes me feel i don't feel wise at all i feel old but do your pockets feel lighter? my pockets certainly feel lighter okay. in fact what was funny is she was moving doing stuff yesterday headed out to college um and i received the first telephone call from her school asking me if i'd like to make a contribution I'm like i am making plenty of contributions so far. i'll give you a high five that's right so you know culture so let me let's take this back to church I've been binging on church. You've been binging on church. Yeah, that's my that's my new binge. Talk to me. What does that mean? Uh, I enjoy the feeling of being in church. Okay. So, whenever I have a chance to escape from my life, which yeah. is defined by school, okay, uh, I do stuff at church. Interesting. And I enjoy it. So, there was a time when church was for most people. Sunday morning for an hour. And so you couldn't binge on church because you had to wait till Sunday. But now, this technology... You can do it any time. Right. Well, you could watch a televangelist that hits people with his jacket. Oh, you could do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So one of the things I was told when we started putting our services on Facebook yes. at the beginning of coronavirus. First of all, before coronavirus, we I was doing it at a different church and it was working. When it came here... 
for a host of reasons we did do live stream at Hosanna. Um, but when coronavirus started and folks couldn't come, we were really forced into the live stream market. And, and a, a wise pastor told me, folks will go back and watch old sermons. Folks will go back and watch stuff that's on your YouTube channel. Folks will binge watch, I put that in little air quotes, binge watch worship services for weeks at a time all at once because today's culture is so used to being able to watch the whole season or to watch a big chunk of something that that church on Sunday morning isn't necessarily the thing so long as your videos or your services are organized in such a way that people can go back and watch multiple videos. And it was true. It, I, that, that is correct. Yeah. But here's, here's the $1.2 million question. Okay. How do we pull those people that are of the binge watching yes. into church? Yeah. Because this is probably the best time for someone to get reacquainted with the church. Yeah. So, if that was the $1.2 billion question. Let me ask you the $3.6 trillion question. Okay. Right? Why? What is the purpose, what is the point today of getting someone engaged in, uh, all of this is in air quotes, a traditional community of faith? One reason. Okay. Survivability of in-person church. Why? Survivability of culture. Why? <laughs> I'm going to be I'm going to be my my 2-year-old now for a while, okay. right? So so I was told let me back this up. Before I become my 2-year-old, a very wise person once told me you are trying to figure out why something is happening. What's the rationale? You have to ask why at least 7 times. At least 7 times. At least 7 times. And I, by the time my you parents get, would shoot me. Yeah, but by the time you get to 7 times, you're to something significant. Okay. So, the survivability in person worship. Yes. Why is that important? It's important because the connection is one of the strongest in faith if you are in person. Okay. And I'm sure you're going to ask why. And why? the reason is uh, you can do things with others in faith mm -hmm. and feel significantly better than you can at home. For example... I could come to church and I could step in a room with somebody I have faith with and yeah. tell them in confidence, hey, these are my problems mm -hmm. and you're my brother in Christ. You can't do that anywhere else? You <laughs> will be crucified <laughs> if you... Okay, so, it, for example, demonetized immediately. I'm going to push you today. Okay, so demonetized immediately. Okay. If I went in the back and said, hey, I have a pornography problem, and I went out and went to my teacher in class yeah. and said, hey, I have a pornography problem, yeah. those are two completely different reactions. Absolutely. And here in church, mm -hmm. you will get help. Yeah. And you can say it in confidence, and you can. there is a line of yeah. succession that you can take to... Yeah be helped and um, increase your survivability yeah. with the church. Personal survivability. Personal survivability. This was my church. lunch conversation. I, I just came back from lunch conversation today and, and the guy I was talking to asked me about 
our congregation. And, and anyway, long story short, um, what we ended up talking about was the number of people in the congregation who have significant issues, either criminal backgrounds or, or not secretive addictions, addictions that they've shared with the congregation, pornography addictions, alcoholism, drug abuse, uh, criminal history in the past, at this particular church that are just as much full members of this congregation as people who either keep their addictions in secret or don't have a criminal past. So I will come out and I will say, because I've healed from this, yeah. I used to have a pornography problem. Yeah. And uh, I no longer have that issue. Yeah. And I've, I've told people, like, hey, if you have this problem, yeah. talk to me. I'll talk, I'll talk right you on. through it. Because it is one of the hardest and yeah. most terrible yeah. issues that you can get through. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, man. That's super vulnerable. On the, our tens of listeners now are part of your, your <laughs> the, experience. The wonderful people from Ireland and America. The pe- people of Ireland. Yeah. Thank you all listeners yeah. for, uh, for listening to me talk about my old pornography. So let me ask you, if I get to, how did you fight your pornography addiction? I turned to something that was more attractive than my pornography addiction. Yeah, you replaced one addiction with the other. Yes. Yeah. And that was the only because I tried and I tried yeah. and tried. And I actually turned to church before and I, yeah. I told my old pastor I had a problem. Yeah. And they were like, okay, you should do this, this, yeah. and pray about it. Yeah. That does, that didn't help mm-hmm. at all. So yeah. what so, I did yeah. Go ahead. was I played video games. Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. And uh, because... This is how addiction works, and this is how you know it's an addiction. Yeah. Number one, if you lay down in bed and you're wanting, it's time, for, you're sleeping, and you would rather do your addiction yeah. instead of sleeping, that's an addiction. Yeah. If you would rather do this instead of eat, that's an addiction, yeah. if, if, if it's time to eat. Yeah. So, like, I knew I had an issue. Yeah. And I... For the longest time, I knew I had an issue, and this started in like high school. Uh, but I I worked my way through, it and that yeah. was that was it. Cool, congratulations, man. Thanks. Uh, That's but huge. It affects so like everything, everything, and everyone. Yes. You view people yes. in a different way yes. than you will ever view people if you have a pornography yes. addiction. Yes. Yeah, people are things. Yes. Right. And, like, you'll find yourself on a Sunday sitting in church. Oh, wow. And Sizing like, people up. And, like, sizing people up. And it's yeah. like, for the longest time I struggled with that. And I would, yeah. I had that internal monologue yeah. going with myself, like, well, what are you doing? Yeah. And it's like, it subconsciously yeah. affects everything. So, I want to take this in two different directions. But, but the first direction is, as to tie it more to the video games. So, was your pornography addiction connected to looking for and scrolling and finding and you always thought the next piece of porn was going to be better than the one you were on and was that your addiction i mean was that part of your addiction my the part of my addiction was it's really hard to explain because it it got lost sure many years ago yeah um but i would say it was the desire for more because your brain works in such a way Mm -hmm. that you will remember every piece of uh, pornography you'll Mm -hmm. ever come across and for I know this is a really weird subject to talk Mm -hmm. about but for listeners yeah 
If if you have ever looked at porn, I guarantee you can remember the first porn image oh. you ever saw. Sure. Because it, it deals with, uh, yeah. like how how your brain works. And it's built to it, wrap those images around endorphins and file them away. That's it. Yeah. There are millions and trillions and trillions of dollars invested by companies mm-hmm. who make porn. Yes. To take your money. Yes. Right. They use the. I mean, you would talk about the the technology that drives computers, the technology that drives the internet, the technology that drives. I mean, not to mention like terrible systems, slavery, etc. etc. But it's made to be addictive. I mean, oh yeah, your all your body's already wired to be addicted, and now it's it's they're monetizing that. The way you cure addiction in today's yeah. society is by triggering a different addiction. You know, I see that all the time with fitness people, right? I I'm trying to make fitness no, no, my addiction. I, I, and it's I'm, so I'm, hard. I don't mean to be, I said it and I, and I don't mean it to be judgy, but the number of people I know who are super fit, right? Fit addicted, really. There's a, a woman named Natalie Newhouse or Natalie Newhart, and she's a, a CrossFit athlete in Colorado, and she talks about people who are fit addicted. Um, and the number of people who are fit addicted who used to be drug users, who used to be porn addicts, who used to be alcoholics, and they traded one one habit for another habit, is outstanding. I mean, it's how do you convince the chemicals in your body to respond in a in a fun way, in a positive way, to to what's to your outside stimulus or to your behavior. Like long distance runners who used to be on heroin. Like, I mean, you just find one one example after the other. I had a friend named Hunter, and he was a drug dealer. And I met him after uh, he got out of jail. He had a coming to light thing. Um, I can't I can't even describe what he went through. He yeah. he swallowed the equivalent of eight or nine doses of heroin. Oh my gosh! Like twice the lethal dose. Um, trying to get away from the cops okay. during a sting operation. And um, after he got out, he was working at a uh, grocery store that's local. And uh, that's where I met him uh, because I work there as well. And we started hanging out. We became friends. And it came to light that he had to come to light because when he technically died, yeah. he was like, I'm... I, I think like I'm meant to be here for something, and he was scared for eight years to come to church because he thought he was going to be judged. Sure. But he really wanted to make that his addiction. Yeah. And after I, I brought him to this church, but they they judged him. Oh. But but he he moved afterwards. Yeah. It got it got the ball rolling. Cool. So now like church is his addiction. Nice. So. Nice. He plays guitar at a church somewhere. Right on. Now. Well, I'm glad he got church addicted. I'm glad you're in the process of becoming church addicted. I, <laughs> me too. I wish I could get. I'm, uh, I'm certainly ath- church addicted. Athletic. Yeah. Athletic. Yeah. Uh, fit addicted. addicted. Yeah. Fit, fit addicted. addicted. Yeah. yeah. You can't have too many addictions at once. So. Yeah. True. But yeah. Um, you can have an unhealthy amount at once. Yeah. Yeah. That's not where we were going. We were talking about why. It's important to have an in-person connection, but I think this is—I think this is really important. Let's 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 fiddle with this a little bit longer. So, okay. so as a pastor, 
yes. here in this congregation, knowing that there is a, a host of people who have some form of addiction already, right? Whether people are full-on addicts and they need to go to a meeting or they need to come to a, a, a stopping point or their addiction is dangerous or their addiction is healthy, there are certainly, I would say everybody has a tendency towards become being out of balance, right? How does the church <laughs> do two things? How do we help you transition from a dangerous, gosh, a dangerous addiction to a more healthy addiction, right? Is, am I, is that does that sound terrible? It, ma- it makes it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I think it sounds terrible, but it's it it, ma- it makes sense. It sounds terrible, yeah. but it makes sense. Yeah, I have an answer if you would like. Okay, yeah, go for it. Okay, so for the longest time, I had a fear of yeah. telling anyone, even my parents, yeah. that I had that addiction. Sure. And I thought church was the best place to do it, but the church I was at at the time was extremely conservative. Yep, morally conservative. And I'm pretty sure something was going to be told to my family or something if I I said anything. So I I didn't tell anybody, and that made it worse. Absolutely, because now it's a secret. So now now it's a secret. And um, I I knew it was a problem, but I didn't have anybody to tell to, so it just progressively got worse, 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 worse. what I think church could do okay. is have a safe place that you could tell someone something. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I've never seen uh, anything advertised for like, hey, if you need one-on-one time with pastor, oh. contact the, the pastor, the pastor <laughs> or yeah. like contact this number, call this number yeah. between this hour and this hour. Oh, we'll sure. set some up and. Uh, I'm, I've never seen that. Okay. And I think that would be fantastic. And if there, if that is a thing, yeah. It's definitely not marketed to the people that need it the most. Okay. And okay. Well, let me do this for you and for the people who are listening. If you need one-on-one time with the pastor, call your church. Call a church where you're comfortable, and just tell the pastor. Like, make an appointment for the pastor. Like, like this. What you're looking for, what you're talking about, would absolutely happen here, right? If somebody said, "Hey, Pastor Jay." Can I come in tomorrow at 2 to talk for an hour? I've got something I want to talk about. I'm not asking any more questions on the phone. I'm saying, cool, tomorrow at 2, it's in the book, right? And at 2 o'clock, they show up, and they shut the door. And um, we have a conversation. Yeah, the, but yeah. I'm. it's not marketed in right. today's society. Yeah, right. And yeah. It's, it, it hasn't been. Right. And the only place I saw it was in, like, movies with right. Catholics where they had the confession Conf- box. Yes, and I was like, that's not something I want to do. Right. And if that is how it's, and that needs to be fixed as well, because yeah. if that's how it's persona, like, persona, yeah. yeah, portrayed, portrayed, correct, um, then I, I don't want to do that. Right. That seems terrible. It seems like someone's going to judge me yeah. from the other side. Well, and I, I think that that's the second part, is that whether it's true or not, there are many places, I feel, this is my opinion, where if you went to the pastor... And you said, hey, by the way, I have this addiction. The pastor would freak out. Like, they would tell you, well, just stop. Or don't you know that that's a sin? Or, you know, uh, pluck out your eyes. Or turn off your computer. Or whatever. You know, and that there are places where that would not be... You wouldn't be safe. I would say more places you would be safe than, than places you wouldn't be safe. 
But there are certainly places where if you went to the to the clergy and, and said, this is my idea, this is my issue, that you would not be safe. So this is this is my idea yeah. for a church to have the ability to um, teach people new yeah. obsessions. Yeah. Now this is this is kind of getting to you have unhealthy and yeah. you have more unhealthy. Right. So you can teach someone, um, hey, these are your options. You can hang out with one of these people and they'll they'll teach you how to do something. Maybe yeah. you'll like it. So you can have like a list of people. Like I'd put myself on the list for being a geek that will teach you all the nerd stuff I know, and nice. maybe you'll you'll hook onto one of them and yeah. and that'll become your new addiction. Mm-hmm. But and we we use the term addiction lightly, but it, I mean he, lightly, but it is a it's truth. live in, in this parish. Yes. This parish has statistically. Louisiana has parishes and that's where this oh, is. Oh yeah, right. Uh, this is right. So that means like like a county. Like the the geogra- the small geographic area we're in um, has parishes. In our parish in Louisiana we have the highest alcoholism rate statistically. Do we? And the highest suicide rate in the state. And the state is one of the highest in the nation. So so which is interesting. Let me add layer on top of that a, a book that talks about ministry into the suburbs it says that the reason people we so we live in an affluent suburb on the outskirts of New Orleans, um, and as an affluent suburb, the way you succeed in the suburb is you hide your garbage, right? That that the thing the tools it takes to be successful so that you can live the uh, sort of prototypical suburban lifestyle is that you know how to hide your garbage, and so if you're in an affluent suburb in an affluent area, the people who we minister to are really, really good at hiding their baggage, hiding their garbage, right? And so it makes it even harder to deal with things like addiction, suicide rate, alcoholism, pornography, whatever the addiction is, because the people who are thriving in this environment of affluent suburb are really, really good at keeping their stuff hidden. And so I want to go back to, you said it's not being advertised to people to know that it's available. Yes. And and we're probably as a church not advertising to millennials at all, right? In a way that that's reaching out to them at all. Yeah. How so? So my question is, and I've been worrying, thinking about this for a while, is what is the code word? What is the what do we need to do to say, hey, Hosanna is the place where you can come and we'll help you unpack some of your garbage, without. Because, but if we said that, just like that, the people who go here would totally stop going here. Yeah. Because they don't want their friends to know that this is the place where you can go and unpack your garbage. Because to have garbage to unpack in the first place is is anti-affluent suburb. Hmm. <laughs> I think the term that is the most important yeah. is safe. Safe. A safe place. Yeah. You don't even have to mention garbage. Okay. You just say a safe place to talk about anything you like and need. Yeah. That will that will help you and take strides forward. A safe place to listen. A safe place to listen. Yeah. I mean, a safe place to speak your mind. Yeah. And if you need help, yeah. we're we're happy to listen and help in any yeah. way that we can. Yeah. Now. 
what you said about how people in the church would leave. Yeah. That's not their place. That's not their place to leave. What For what reason would they want to leave? Is it because they're not Christian? <laughs> well, that's a whole bigger a bigger issue. I think, I, I'm not going to say that they're not Christians, but I am going to say they're uncomfortable knowing their friends know that they have baggage. So are you saying that... And that would be idolatry. Yes. Are, yeah. are, you, are you saying that they are judging Absolutely. people? Absolutely. Which would also be sin. So, and yeah, we, and, yes. and I don't have a problem with them being here. I would happily have people come in and say their problems to me. Yes. And I will happily say, yeah. like, hey, I have this problem too. Like, for this to be a safe place, there are certain things that are safe. Mm-hmm. Right? That all, like, you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So, I agree. I also disagree. Okay. So, the thing I disagree about yeah. is, um, and th- this is not completely disagreeing, it's yeah. just saying, um, in regards to what she said, when I went to that pastor, mm-hmm. I, won't, I won't say who it is, sure. but when I went to that pastor and told them I had a problem, yeah. they said... They quoted the Bible. Mm-hmm. I know what verse you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. Your your seed is sacred. Was sacred mm-hmm. and uh, shall spill your seed on the ground. The ground yeah, mm-hmm. and like the belly of a whore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. But like that, they threw the Bible at me when yeah. I said that because you didn't feel bad enough. Yeah, I mean, you didn't feel bad enough about your addiction. You already made an appointment to go see the pastor, talk to the pastor about it. I think the per- the first job of the pastor really should to make you f- be feeling more guilty. Yeah. <laughs> and like I'm, I'm like, and like to have another pastor say that, yeah, that's that's buttonhead. So, so ne- the church as a whole needs to change. Yes, yes, is to in regards to form to society in that manner because you cannot expect people to not have addictions to come to church right. and leave their baggage outside because church is made to have their baggage. Taken and dumped yes. on the shoulders of God because that's yes. what God is here for. Jesus doesn't need you to hide your baggage. No, not at all. No. I mean, in fact, this is the best place to dump out your baggage. Right? Cast your burdens unto me. Right? Says Jesus. Right? Dude, what you just said makes me so mad. Because I know that it's true. Right? So, so in my hometown... Where I grew up. Also, my parents had no idea this conversation ever happened. Yeah, they wait till they listen to this. Oh, they will not. Um, so my hometown, the pastors got this. Let me tell you. First of all, in my being a pastor, I've done more than three hundred weddings. Okay, I lived at a place where we had all these bed and breakfasts. I could have done a wedding every weekend if I wanted to. Um, I love to do weddings. I've done a lot of weddings. I've done over three hundred weddings in my career. Okay, um, my hometown decided. All the pastors together decided that nobody in that town who was living together was going to be able to get married. Okay? So they, and they all signed this pledge, apparently. I wasn't there. I wasn't a pastor there. I was already a pastor somewhere else. Um, <clears throat> they all signed this pledge that if a couple came to them and said, we're living together already, we're sexually active and we're living together, the pastor was supposed to require them to live separately until they got married. Because somehow behavior sexuality all the stuff tied together and they weren't gonna let people do that so so play this out you are living with your girlfriend for example you're sexually active 
You go to the pastor. The pastor says, we're only going to marry you if you live separately. You have two choices. One, lie to the pastor, right, about whether or not you're sexually active, which is dumb. Because how are you going to grow in faith if you have to start by lying about who you are? Exactly. Two, you could lie about where you live and say, oh, no, I've got this other address, or she lives with her mom and dad or whatever until we get married. Now, but now, again, you're lying to the pastor, right? Or three, I guess the third option is you really could move apart and be celibate from the time you start wedding planning. But that's not realistic. Or, or option four, you go somewhere else. You go somewhere else. And what happened was many, many people went somewhere else. But if you have to lie to the pastor about sexual stuff, that's like your most personal stuff, right? And if you can't be your most personal, your most true you in pre-marriage counseling with the pastor, in, mar- in counseling with the pastor, then what a disaster. So of the 300 plus weddings that I've done in my career, just let me throw this out there, one couple was not living together. They were sexually active, but they weren't living at the same address. Every other couple, 299 or more couples that I've married were sexually active and living together. Why? Because people who get married nowadays are sexually active and live together. It's, it's economic. It's, it's fun. It's, it's sort of the way of the world around us. And for the church to stick their head in the sand and say, um, we're only going to marry virgins in this building? Well, no wonder the church isn't relevant to people. Right? So here are two separate things. Yeah. First, why can't the church develop new things yeah. after 2020 years okay. and uh, B the church is there for structure mm-hmm. why are they there to give laws this, this is a, an American phenomenon this is a it's only it's only American well I mean Western Europe has the same sort of thing too but but American puritanism American evangelicalism is sort of run one rampant that creates being a churchy person equates these certain moral doctrines. Now, our particular denomination is one that wants to meet people where they are. So we don't have a policy that we only marry virgins in the ELCA because we know that's ridiculous. You know, we offer divorce care because we know divorces happen. You know, we offer adoption services because we know adoptions happen. We offer ministry to folks who have had abortions because we know there are women in the congregation who come here every Sunday who I know have had abortions in their past. But there's redemption for that. There's a Jesus for that. That we know folks who have all kinds of weird sex stuff going on in their congr- in their lives. Like, like that's just the world we live in. And if, and if the church refuses to preach the gospel, bring the gospel into some of those places that just seem odd, like... What's the point? The Je- church shouldn't have the right to judge who can and cannot know Jesus. Right. Jesus, was it you who said uh, the podcast, Jesus loves us unconditionally, so we don't have a right to put conditions on Jesus? Is that you or somebody else? Take credit for it if it was, was somebody else. It's really good. I, I, I don't know if it was yeah. me. Jesus loves people unconditionally, so it's not up to the church to put conditions on people. However, hang on, let me just, before the, the phone lines blow up here and the, you know, our tens of listeners all come to burn my house down or whatever, I would say, in a perfect world, right, 
virgins would fall in love, they would marry, they would civil, like like they would live a life of married bliss together, having sex only with each other, with no temptation. They would tithe and they would go to Sunday school and all those things. But we know we don't live in we live in a world that's full of sin, and so. I think rather than the church saying, porn bad, don't do it. We live in a world where I think everybody's got some porn on their computer, probably. Yeah. You know, and as young as junior high when they get a cell phone, you know, that uh, maybe younger. That's the reality of the world. So for the church to say, hey, let me speak the gospel into your reality. Now let's talk. Or let's talk. Let's, let's, let's not pretend addiction doesn't happen. Let's have AA meet at the church. And let's do the... Is it the, the, the ninth step or the seventh step where you do one-on-one confession with people? Let's do that. The first step is to admit you have a problem. Yes. And the church has to admit they have a problem. Yes. Because, number one, they are, let's be honest, they are taught wrong that they have too much power. Oh, yeah. And the good news is about this, this current context is the church's power is fading away so fast uh, rapidly 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 when i was a student right the old timer pastors would tell us stories about if you walk into the barber shop you get to cut the line because you're a pastor and the pastor is busy and is an important man in our community and so it doesn't matter how many people are waiting in line for a haircut reverend dr j gets to go first i would what? never see anybody yeah. go out and say Hey, I'm a pastor. Yeah. No, I, I don't wear my black collared shirt unless I'm doing some kind of official function. Um, getting Saying I'm the pastor anywhere gets me no extra services. Let, let me go back and say one more thing about the porn and the living together and whatever. Um, it's not like the church condones it. You know what I'm saying? It's not like the church is saying, hey, this is okay. Or, hey, we want everybody to have an abortion. Or, hey, we want you to have multiple partners and to be living with somebody else. Like, we have this vision of the kingdom of God, but it's, it's about redemption and reconciliation. And not about, I don't dance and I don't chew and I don't go with the girls who do. Right? Let's see. Let's back on. All right. So, who gives the church the right to say what is right and wrong. And if you say the Bible, we'll throw it at you. Because nowhere in the Bible says that the church has the ability to say what's yeah. right and wrong. Because it's maybe in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament. You know why? Because God forgives everyone. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. History? Tradition? Tr- tradition? tradition? Throw tradition out the you window. Know, Jesus does say to Peter, you know, upon you, Peter, I'm going to build my ecclesia, my community, my economy, my church, right? Um, but he prefaces that with saying three times, Peter, love my, love my sheep. Do you love my sheep? Like, and Peter says, yeah. Or, yeah, Peter says, of course I love my sheep. Um, and then he, there's this whole play on the words, what's, what word for love Jesus uses and what word for love Peter uses. And, um, but I think that that's the answer. Like, what is the purpose of the church to show God's love to people? And to do that, you have to ask, where are the people? Right? Like, for me to show God's love to people might be for me to tell my baby not to play in the street. Like, I love you, don't play in the street because I don't want you to get hit by a car. I don't want you to get kidnapped. I don't want you to get, you know, whatever, swept up by the street sweeper guy or whatever. And so so there are some like edges, you know? I don't want people to have abortions. I don't want people to be 
porn addicted pornographers or, or whatever at the same time I know that those people there are those people right and so for some love my sheep was don't play in the street for others it's like crap man let me set your arm in a cast because you got hit by the car while you were playing the street now we end up with a community of faith a community of Christ followers who are forgiven sinners which is the whole point yes which is different than maybe the last 50 years or the last 150 years have have shown us um but it's where we need to go i mean we need to be honest about who who we need to be as christ followers in the world so here's here's my question yeah why are we silent when they say confess your sin why can't I say my sins out loud? Oh, you totally could. You'd be the only one. But, yeah. I mean, uh, we, I would encourage people. So we... Because so, it says yeah. somewhere in the Bible that you should say to your brother or sister Absolutely. God that... Yeah. And yeah. that not being a thing yeah. in so many churches. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I suppose partly, I mean, historically, in front of you, right? The, the service we do on Sunday comes out of that red book, right? Before that red book, there was a green book. Okay, and before the green book, well, there's the green book right there. That green book came out when I was four um, years old. Before the green book, there was a red book. And in that red book, there was the personal confession of sins and absolution and the corporate confession and absolution. So you could turn to page whatever and you could do exactly what you're saying. Sit down with the pastor, read through these things, this prayer together, and then there was an empty time for you to talk about what's going on in your life. And churches used to do it regularly. And then people started to not do it regularly. I, I would say do it again. If I, because those people that need it, yeah. need it. So, okay, so this goes back to my practical question, right? How do I, as pastor in this community, let y'all know that this is a safe place? Because if, I, if I'm regular Joe Millennial and I'm on my cell phone, right? And I'm trying to find a place to unburden myself from what's going on in my heart, right? And I make the wrong choice and go to the wrong church, I'm going to get crucified, right? And I'm going to get told that I'm a, this kind of sinner or that kind of sinner. And so long as you stop doing what you're doing, it's not really who you are. We're going to pray you into whatever new reality. Don't do it. It's bad. Your hands are going to fall off. You're going to go blind or whatever. How do I, what's the code? What's the cheat code? What, how do I tell your friends like, hey, Come here, because you're going to hear a different kind of understanding of the gospel than you might down the street. So this is the, and this is coming from a millennial. Yeah, you have to go to them. I have to go to them. So it starts small. Yeah, I would say we don't have many people here, but yeah. you could say it. Yeah, uh, you could say it during a church service, and people watch it. Yeah, if you need someone to talk to, yeah, I'm here. Okay. No matter what it is, yeah. I'm here. And uh, for example, like I'll, I'll happily go with you yeah. one day, and we could go to. Um, we could stand out here during when they hand out lunch or dinner yeah. that day. Yeah. As long as it's not during school. Right. And I'll be like, hey, yeah, we we could like hand out pamphlets or do yeah. something. Sure. If if you need to talk. Yeah. And if you have a problem in your life. That you want to tell someone, yeah, we are here for you. Yeah, 
because that is the most comforting thing yeah. say we are here for you yeah. and once people go come to you yeah. and see that you don't throw the book at them like that pastor threw the book at me yeah where it'll get out and then eventually people will become brave enough to go other places sure and it small steps is yeah. what it's going to take One for church to change in that aspect because that aspect's not going to change overnight no some parts of church making can change overnight yeah. not that yeah 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 you're exactly right okay well i would love that let's do that let's make a little flyer you know you know i, I think there's the one-on-one -on -one aspect too is that when your friend comes to you with a problem you can say hey if you need to do this one more time if you need to talk to the pastor about it this is my guy yes that i go to with that and like that's yeah. If your word, word of mouth yeah. is the most strong yeah. aspect of any yeah. anything. If you look at business, word of mouth is strongest. People yeah. will go to the same restaurant over and over and over again if people say, "Hey, go to this restaurant; it's great." Yeah. If someone says, "Hey, come to this church; it's fantastic," I got told that about thirty times. Yeah. I mean, that speaks for itself. So, word of mouth is the strongest, cool. and. We, you, it has to go church by church. It has to go by community. This isn't yeah. a thing that can go by the world right. at once. Yeah, no, this is one household at a time. One household at a time. Now, for our listeners, if you have issues, we will have an email, and you can send us, and we'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, also, if you have a, you have something that you want us to talk about on the podcast, we'll be happy to... Uh, Happy to do that. Leave us a like. Rate us if you have an area to rate us in. Share us with your friends. Hey, thanks for listening today. This is Adam and Jay at the No Grow Follow podcast. Let me close us with prayer. Holy Lord God, we ask you to bless those that are listening, that you might open their hearts. Dear Lord, provide for them opportunities to unburden themselves from the addictions and the pain that they're holding inside. Dear Lord, I pray that they find helpful ears in safe spaces. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Bye-bye.